We're so glad you're here, and we are in this teaching called Transformed. I don't know if you were here last week, but if you missed last week, I do want to encourage you to check out the replay. It was a fascinating conversation between Pastor Chuck and Julie Homrich, who's a licensed professional counselor here in our community. And one of the things that we've really been committed to over the long haul is we believe Jesus literally when he said that we're to love him, love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what we found is it's so easy for us to Uh, pay attention to certain areas of our life and we miss the other parts. And the truth is you're one person. I'm one person. We're holistic. And so what would happen if we took what Jesus said seriously and we treated the whole person? And so they're actually continuing that conversation that they started last week right now. And the replay of that's going to be available on our website at sugarhill.church slash transform. So if you want to take a sneak peek into what they're, they're talking about today, Next week, Pastor Chuck is back teaching in here, and he's really going to talk about, there's a lot we could talk about when it comes to transform, but he's going to talk about one key habit or one key commitment that any one of us could make, whether you feel close to God or far away, or whether you're new to church or been around a long, long time, this one commitment that could literally help you be transformed from the inside out. And so I want to encourage you to be part of that. But today, I want to just be super practical today. In fact, I want to do a little bit of teaching and then I want to sort of point you in the direction of some resources and some tools. And so if you're a pragmatic kind of person, hopefully today is for you because I've been, I'm sort of the skeptic at times or I'm the pragmatic at times and somebody says you can be transformed. And over the years, we've talked about this idea of transformation. We've said, if we're not dead, then God's not done with us. Does that make sense? If we still have air in our lungs, none of us have arrived. None of us are across the finish line yet. So while we've got time, let's continue growing. And in fact, I love even the the graphic for this to say from death to life, that there's something God does in us. At the moment of salvation, God changes our heart. At the moment of salvation, he secures our eternity. At the moment of salvation, he comes to live inside of us. But from that moment on, it starts this long, sometimes slow process of transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. And so we've said it before that the goal is that today we'd look more like Jesus than yesterday. The goal is that this week we'd look more like Jesus than last week. The goal is that this year would look more like Jesus than last year. The goal is if we're not dead, then we're not done. So we're going to continue growing. And so last week, the conversation about the connection of renewing our mind and what happens, that was so powerful. But today, I want to help answer the question really that a lot of us have, but, but how do you do that? I mean, what does that actually look like? What does it look like? to say, I want to keep being transformed. For some of us today, I really think today's gonna answer some questions. Maybe you've been a believer a while, but you, feel, you still feel distant from God and you still feel like there's some friction in your life. And, and even the, the title of the message today is this idea that most of us just, just we, we just feel restless. We don't know how to put our finger on it. That even when we, when we have downtime, we don't, still, we don't feel like we can relax. And when it, when it comes to our prayers, it feels like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And when it comes to our personal walk, it feels like we're wrestling with the same addictions and the same habits and the same patterns that we've always been. We're like, what's the deal with that? 
So my hope is that today is going to help answer some of that. For others, maybe it's going to fill in some missing pieces, but all of it comes from John chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, if you have a device, I would encourage you to find John chapter 15. If you don't have an app on your device, check out the Bible app. It's just search for the Bible app and it's super handy. But in John 15, Jesus is having a conversation with his closest followers. He has his 12 disciples with him. In fact, if you want to put this passage in context, what's happened is Jesus is on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is the final days of Jesus' life before the crucifixion. So this happens on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so what's previously happened is he's had a dinner with his disciples. He observed the Passover dinner with them. And Jesus has picked up the bread and said, this is my body. He picked up the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant. It's a very powerful moment. And so to put this passage in the context, these are some of the last words of Jesus that he gave to his disciples. So imagine knowing that you're about to go to the cross. Imagine knowing that you're about to die. Imagine knowing this is the last time before your death that you're going to see them eyeball to eyeball. These words have weight, don't they? Those final words matter. And what's interesting is before these final words, Jesus gave them two words over and over again. Throughout the Gospels, here's the two words Jesus told them so often. He said, follow me. In fact, if you were to go through the Gospels, you see it over and over again. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. At least 13 times, Jesus says, what two words? He says, follow me. And so when he gets to John 15 and he's about to go to the cross, when he gets to John 15 and he's about to lay down his life, when you get to John 15 and his final words, Jesus says to them, remain in me. Isn't that interesting? The whole gospels, he's been saying, follow me. He's been, it's been this call to action. It's been this, hey, leave whatever you're doing and follow me. But now he's about to go to the cross and now he's about to die. And he shifts from saying, follow me to saying, remain in me. Or another translation says it this way, abide in me. And so I want to give you quickly four reminders about this. And my hope is this will fill in some gaps This will help maybe answer some questions. And then I'm going to end with something I've never done from the platform before this morning and try to do a little interaction to give you some practical ways to do that. So here's the first reminder. Reminder number one when it comes to this idea is number one, it is intensely relational. This idea of remaining, this idea of abiding, this idea of staying close to Jesus, it's intensely relational. Let me read you where this comes from. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. If you look through Old Testament imagery, the vine, grapevines, is a powerful symbol. And some commentators, some historians say that as Jesus is saying this, they're literally traveling from the upper room where they had the Passover to the garden of Gethsemane. And they said that he would have passed by some gates, some big ornate gates, decorated gates with vines on it. And so some historians believe Jesus is using this as an object lesson. He says, look, you see the vine and the vine's been important in Old Testament prophecy. He says, I am the true grapevine. And my father, he's the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He's like, look, God's about the health of the vine. God's about the fruit that's coming from it. And so the gardener, as the gardener, he's gonna do some things. Then look at verse three. He says, you've already been pruned and you've been purified by the message that I've given you. And so here's the phrase, verse four, remain in me, abide in me. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So reminder number one is this is intensely relational. When Jesus says, remain in me, it's the sense that Jesus isn't some distant person in their lives. Jesus isn't just some stat. Jesus isn't some story. He's not just a good prophet. He's not just a respectable teacher. When he says, remain in me, it's this idea, we've got a relationship. In fact, that word that's translated remain or abide is a little Greek word called meno. And it literally just means to stay close. It means to make your home in. It's to stay close and to stay consistent, to be in a relationship. And when it comes to this idea of being transformed, I think one of the reasons why transformation sometimes feels difficult is a lot of times we try to have the transformation without the relationship. We try to produce it on the outside. We try to clean up our acts ourselves, and it's just not doable. Jesus says, look, the basis of this transformation, the basis of the fruit that's gonna come out of your life isn't out of rules. It's not out of, hey, did you attend church or not? Did you give or not? Did you try to be a better person or not? The basis of all of life change comes out of a relationship with him. And to try to have transformation without a relationship, it's just not gonna work. It's gonna be frustrating. It's gonna be like when you're talking on your cell phone going 20 towards coming and for some reason when you get to the Chattahoochee, I don't know why, at least on AT&T, no matter how many bars of signal I have on my phone, it just disconnects, it just drops. And then when it comes back, it's all choppy and freezing and is that just me? My blood pressure's going up just thinking about it, right? And sometimes that's the way our spiritual life feels like. When we're trying to do it out of our own strength. And we're trying to do it out of our own ability. When we're trying to do it out of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to muscle up enough nerve. I'm going I'm, I'm to get some new habits. I'm going I'm to try harder. And Jesus, I think, would say, no, 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 no. Start with relationship. Remain in me. Stay close to me. Whenever I think about relationships in an earthly sense, the easiest thing to think about is my relationship with Laura. So Laura and I have been married 10 years back in January, which is pretty amazing that she put up with me that long. And then tomorrow, why was there an amen? That's not right. And tomorrow's her birthday. Now, what would happen if tomorrow I did not acknowledge her birthday at all. If you're watching online, you can't tell, but my wife's a redhead, so that's, and her, yeah. So how good would that be, ladies? Not good. 
What if as the day went on and I didn't acknowledge it, there was no card, there was no gift, there was no dinner, there was... And what if when she brought it up by the end of the day, if I was like, you know, honey, you seem a little agitated today. Is everything okay? What if she said, well, it's my birthday. You didn't tell me happy birthday. What if my response was, well, I told you last year. Is that good or bad? There's an old preacher story. I don't know if it's true. You know how preachers are. <laughs> There's an old preacher story that this uh, wife got upset with her husband. She's like, you never tell me you love me anymore. You never tell me you love me anymore. And finally he's like, well, I told you on our wedding day and I never took it back, so it ought to stick. <laughs> now, if we wanna have a deep life-giving relationship with somebody, it takes intentional deposits, doesn't it? Like sometimes when you start thinking about investments, we think, well, I don't have enough. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't know. Mom would be losing her mind. Boys, cut it out. Boys, quit. And then suddenly we walk in the church. She's like, hello, brother. Hey, pastor. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And so we try to produce external fruit when at the root we're not Honestly, we're still restless. You can't fake real fruit. It's funny, when you go down to the store, all the shiny apples and things that look pretty are actually the ones that have had more stuff done to them. And the healthiest ones, the organic ones, are the ones that may look bruised and they may not be as attractive, but they're the ones that are actually healthy. And that's why we try to say as best as we can, let's drop the fake stuff. Let's just be people because none of us have it together. None of us are perfect. Nobody has the perfect family. If you want to meet the perfect family, you're never going to meet them because they don't exist. There's not a perfect person other than Jesus. And so let's just be honest and say, if we want to produce fruit, we've got to stay connected to the root. We've got to be close to him abiding in him, connected to him. And so number one, this reminder number one is, is that it's intensely relational. We're to remain, we're not to produce, we're to remain. Reminder number two, it's impossible for us to reproduce. Our job is to stay connected with him. Our job is to, is to say, Jesus, I'm not gonna do a bunch of rules. I wanna stay connected. Reminder number three is that incompetence is required. Incompetence saying, you know what? I, I, I can't do it myself. When Jesus says, apart from me, he says, you can do how much? You can do nothing. And for a lot of us, that's a helpless feeling because we want to bring something to the table, don't we? None of us, most of us don't want to just sit back and just say, I'm not going to do anything. But Jesus says, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. Later in the New Testament, Paul will expand on this idea of fruit. And he'll talk about the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Who wouldn't want those things? Who wouldn't want a little more peace in their life? Who wouldn't want a little more joy in their life? 
Who, wouldn't, who hasn't at times needed a little more patience in their life? And yet the idea is you can't produce those things yourself if they're going to be lasting. If they're going to be the kind that you can't explain on paper, it's the kind that comes by saying, God, I can't do this myself. I can't be nice enough. I can't be joyful enough. I can't be good enough. But a byproduct of saying I can't is to say, but Jesus, I know you in me can. Sometimes that looks bruised. Sometimes that's not as shiny and attractive. But man, wouldn't you rather have something real than something that's faked? I was heartbroken as a kid when I found out that fruit roll-ups don't replace true fruit in your diet. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to set up an appointment with uh, our counselor, Julie, and work through that, right? But number one, reminder number one, it's intensely relational. Number two, it's impossible to reproduce. Number three, we have to come to the place of saying, I can't do it, right? Where we begin to say, you know what? I'm incompetent. I can't make this happen myself. And reminder number four is that if we'll do this, if we'll remain, if we'll stay close, if we'll make our home in God, if we'll, if we'll say, you know what? As best as I can, I'm not perfect. As best as I can, I, I, I'm gonna try this thing. What begins to happen is number four, you begin to have identifiable results. That's my IR preacher way of saying, you're gonna have fruit. That what happens when you stay close to Jesus, Jesus says in verse five, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. In other words, there's gonna be a noticeable change. That it's not going to happen overnight necessarily. It's not going to happen just in a moment. There's not some magic prayer where our pastor just goes, make a look a high, make a high, and suddenly our lives are perfect. But what it does mean is the more we're close to Jesus, the more consistent and close we are to Jesus, the more like him we'll become. Haven't you ever noticed that you become like the people you hang out with? Do you have those people that when you're around them, you start taking on their mannerisms? I've always heard it said that the older you get, the more you look like your spouse. Have you all heard that? We become like the people we hang out with the most. So when people ask the question, well, why is it so important to carve out time with Jesus every day? Or why is it so important to sing songs that focus on Jesus anytime we're together? Why is it so important to read the Bible every single day? Because we become like the people we hang out with the most. And Jesus says, if you'll stay close, if you'll stay close, there's gonna be fruit. And what I found is that there's a lot of people that have a really full schedule, but they have an unfulfilled life. And maybe the answer isn't to add more stuff Maybe the answer isn't to chase more things. Maybe the answer is to reset our priorities on our relationship. Does that make sense? So what I'd love to do real quickly is give you a tool that may be helpful to you. In fact, if, you, if you've got an old school piece of paper and pen with you, maybe you want to uh, draw this out. If you're watching online, maybe you want to sketch this out. If you don't have that with you, I will tell you on our website for this series, sugarhill.church transformed, 
we've got some downloads available today that are going to be what I think really helpful. Because the truth is, most of us don't need necessarily more stuff to know. We need some practical ways to live it out. And so I'm going to try something that I've never tried before this morning, but I'm going to try to just bring up my iPad here and show you a way to begin to approach this. So one of the things that I found really helpful is to start thinking about what do I want my week to look like? What do I want my week to look like? Some people call this an ideal week. Some people call this a preferred future. But what do I want my week to look like? And let me make sure I plug this in correctly. We'll see if the signal comes up. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Draw. Well, I fiddled with the cable so much, I think maybe the power turned off because it didn't see anything. Um, so I'm, I'm good at breaking stuff. Oh, no, the TV still works. All right. So it's my fault. I told you, this is dangerous live, right? If you've got a piece of paper, I want you to draw just a line across the page, a line across the page. Still nothing? Huh. It looks like it ought to work. And across that line, I want you to draw, I want you to draw a couple of little tick marks down, one for each day of the week. All right, so think about your week. If you don't have something to write on, something to write with, you can picture it in your mind. Picture a timeline. And then I want you to carve it up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right, real quick, if you're here in the room, shout out, what are some things that would be important for you to do this week? Somebody just shout them out. Go to work. Go to work. How many people are going to go to work this week? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, that's a lot of us. All right, what else? What, what else would uh, be helpful this week for you to do? What is it? Doctor's appointments. That's really important. What else? Prayer, meditation. What's that? Time with family. Yeah, if you're watching online, go ahead and drop it in the comments as well. What else would be important? Workout. Get on the boat. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody going to eat this week? All right, so what I'd encourage you to do is start with a list of things that would be important for you and then ask the question, if these are important, where am I going to put them on my calendar this week? How many of you would be like me and say, well, I'm just so busy. Anybody? You just say, you're just so busy. I'm, my hand's up too. A lot of times we feel like we have too busy of a schedule to do the things that are important. But what if Instead of taking the important things last, what if we took the important things first? And so, so let me take a couple of these off the top of my head. Uh, the obvious one with today's teaching, I heard people talk about prayer and meditation. If remaining in Jesus is so important, then shouldn't I schedule some time each day to spend time with them? Well, what does that mean to schedule time? It means figuring out when during the day 
do you do best is spending time with Jesus. So for me, it's in the morning. So a lot of times in the mornings, I'll get up and I'll head towards the gym while I'm waking up, drinking some coffee, and I'll start by listening to the weekday podcast. It's just five minutes. Y'all give Zach a hand. He's like... Um, it's just five minutes and it's a basic way to make an investment. It's sort of like a hug, a kiss with my wife. It's not a long time, but it's an investment to say those little investments matter. What, what would your schedule look like? So if you're picturing again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what would it look like to say, well, I know my relationship with God is important. What if you just went ahead and scheduled, well, you've already done it for today, scheduled, you know what? I'm gonna worship God on Sunday. That's an investment. That's an intentional decision. But a lot of times, if we don't see the priority of investing in our relationship with God, that'll be the last thing. We'll be like, well, if it works out, you know, we got a lot to do and I got to mow my grass and I got to meal prep and I got to da 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 We're all busy. The question is, where, what would happen if we put the priorities in first? Let me use marriage as one. And since I use that as an example, uh, I've heard somebody say this. One of the greatest gifts that you could give your kids is a healthy relationship with your spouse. Think about the priority of that. And that may seem like a small shift, but there's a lot of couples that once they have kids, they make their kids their priority instead of their spouse, but they don't realize that raising kids is a temporary assignment. Your marriage is meant to be a permanent one. And so what happens if the priority is out of order, kids will leave the house one day and then you end up living with the stranger. So what would happen if when you look at the week, instead of making your marriage an afterthought, what if you said, you know what? As best as we can, we're gonna have a date night this week. For us, it's usually Thursday nights when we're in our normal rhythm. And when I say date night, I'm not saying you have to drop a lot of money, you could. I'm not saying you have to go somewhere fancy, you could. It could be just intentional time on the back porch eating together. It could be time at the park. It could be watching your favorite show together. But the idea is as you plan your week, put in the things that matter most first. Let me talk about the the elephant in the room, work. It seems like work never stops, does it? In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I posted a question on Facebook to prepare for this message. And so many people talked about the fact that there's always more to get done. There's always more to get done. And now that we've got all these devices, it feels like we ought to be reachable all the time. And so we've put pressure on ourselves that we've got to be available. And we think, man, there's no way that I could balance that work. Well, again, if you're looking at your week this week, what would happen instead of leaving everything blank? What if, what, if it, what if you blocked a certain amount of time for work every day? Now, again, I know that sounds maybe too simplistic, but what I've found is that work will expand to whatever boundaries you give it. And so if you give a task an hour, it only takes an hour. If you give a task eight hours, it'll take eight hours. If, it, if you give it unlimited amount of time, it usually creeps. Have you all found that to be true? And so our mindset is, well, I can't put work in some framework because then I'll never get it done. But what I found, and I would encourage you to try it this week, put some hard stops when you start your day and when you stop your day and see if that doesn't help you stay more focused at work. See if it makes you make... Right? And so what I'm doing is just saying, what are the things that are important to you? And what would happen if you planned them? Let me give you a second tool. So that's sort of an ideal week. What would happen if you put those blocks in? 
right? One thing that's important to me is I want to live as long as I can, as healthy as I can. I've, I've had uh, some family members pass away at younger ages because of health-related issues. And so for me, trying to be physically healthy is important. And so I'm going to plan that on my schedule. I'm going to plan some movement several days a week because that matters. It really does. So here's the second tool. So if that's an ideal week, the second tool is what I just call a morning routine. A morning routine. Everybody has a routine. What are some of the things you do when you first get up? Somebody just shout them out. What do you do? I heard coffee first. Anybody else there? I had a friend give up coffee for Lent one year. We we're like, bro, you got to get some caffeine back in your life. This is difficult. This is really difficult. Coffee. What else? What, what else do you do in the morning? Brush your teeth. In that order, coffee first, brush your teeth second. What else? Take the dog out. Anybody take a shower in the morning? No? At least once a week, whether you need it or not. Everybody has a routine. If you're not a morning person, think about your evening. We all have evening routines. We've got things that we do. Usually we do them automatically without thinking about it. My question is, what would happen if you listed all of the things you currently do and then you begin just to move the order of them a bit? What if you begin to say, you know what, if I'm going to do something every day, why don't, instead of living by default where I'm sort of drifting through the day, what if I design my day? Right, for me, what I've learned is that if I feel rushed in the morning, I feel rushed the rest of the day. And so I've learned, hey, I need to just go ahead and get up when I wake up. I don't, the Zoom, or Zoom, snooze. <laughs> that would be interesting, Zooming and snoozing. But... Um, <laughs> The snooze isn't good for me. If I snooze, I'm just going to be more anxious when I finally get up. And so I've learned, hey, my morning routine is go ahead and get up. My morning routine is go ahead and drink a glass of water. My morning routine is to get the coffee going. My morning, right? I've got some things that I know that I need to do, and those things set me up for a good day. And when I've got margin, it's easier for me to stay close to Jesus. It's amazing how much easier it is to read the word and get something out of it. It's amazing how much easier it is to pray when you don't feel under the gun. And so two tools I would recommend you check out. Start with uh, an ideal week. If you could have the perfect week this week, what would it look like? And then just know that just because you wrote it down doesn't mean it's going to happen perfectly. But what I will say to you is I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't go better just because you put intention behind it. So start with an ideal week. And the second one is pick a routine routine for the day. For me, it's a morning routine. For you, it may be once you get to work routine. It may be when you go to bed routine, but start mapping out how can I insert the things that matter? Because when you make those deposits, what begins to happen as it grows? I do want to mention we have some templates that are available absolutely free, free to use. Go to sugarhill.church slash transformed and you will find five or six resources that you can pull and you can adapt them. You can change them. You can do, but I would encourage you if Jesus says remaining is the thing that matters, let's make a plan to do it. Are y'all with me? Can you imagine what would happen if your relationship with Jesus felt real and personal? Can you imagine what would it feel like for our prayers not to feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling, but they're actually connecting with the heart of God? 
What would happen if in the midst of conflict, instead of, uh, uh, of abandoning the situation or becoming really aggressive, what if we stayed in the middle and we demonstrated kindness and we demonstrated gentleness and we stayed engaged, but we looked more like Jesus? Can you imagine what our marriages would look like if there's that sense of peace in the home? Can you imagine what our work life would feel like if we showed up in a healthy version of us every single day? Can you imagine what it would be like for God to look down and to say, you look more like my son, Jesus? Wouldn't that be unbelievable? It's possible if we'll make the choice. And today, I hope it's been practical. I hope it's been helpful. I couldn't draw on the screen today, which is fine, but the heart behind it is to figure out what matters most, schedule what matters most, because usually what gets scheduled actually gets done. At the end of our lives, we're probably not gonna say, man, I wish I vegged out on Netflix more. Though there's probably a time for that, but not every day. At the end of our lives, we're not gonna be like, man, I wish I'd worked just a couple more hours on that spreadsheet at work. The end of our lives, we're not going to be like, man, I, I, you know what? I, I, I wish, man, I so wish I recorded one more TikTok video. When those two or three, four or five, six or seven people are circling your bed before that last breath, you're going to be able to tell a story. And I want to encourage you to start writing that today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you're patient with us. We're so grateful that you give us opportunities to grow in you. God, that when we're hard-headed, when we're slow to learn, you still invite us back to stay close to you. So Father, I pray for every person that knows you personally, that you would encourage us in a real practical way of how to stay close to you this week. Whether it's one of these tools we mentioned or something else, God, help us just to have some sense of staying close to you this week. And God, for anybody that doesn't know you, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. In fact, if you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to, maybe you want to pray this part of the prayer with me in your head and your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me, rescue me, help me to live for you. If you pray that today, it's not words that changes anybody. It's the heart connection to say, Jesus, would you do that in me? The promise of scripture is that he'll rescue you. He'll give you a brand new start. For those that know him, that feel a little bit restless, maybe in your head and your heart today, would you say, dear Jesus, 
Help me to stay close. Help me to stay consistent. Heavenly Father, we want to stay close to you. We want to produce the fruit that you produce in us. Father, we give this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we rush out, would you just stand for a moment? Pastor Zach's going to lead us. Would you lift up these words as we go in the sense of we want to live for him, we want to live with him. Let's let this truth ring in our heads and our hearts today. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Great rest of your week, and we can't wait to see you again soon.